I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, along with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and is the publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 210th episode of our weekly therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. We're going to talk markets. We're going to talk fake capitalists. We're going to give you a super brief Patriot take. Uh, and we're going to talk about, of course, all of the crazy things going on around us. Mr. Hodge, how are you? Number 210. Thank you for joining me. It's always refreshing and therapeutic as the intro states. Uh, it's good to be here. There's <laughs> no lack of things to talk about in the market. You got banks failing. You got bond yields all over the place. It's March Madness and, and spring is knocking on the door. I had to get some of that hair off my face. We've reached 50 degrees for the first time since October here in Spokane. So it's feeling like springtime. Looking mighty dapper, Mr. Hodge. Looking mighty dapper. Let's my get in. My wife might disagree with that. Well, you know, I defer to your beautiful wife and your beautiful family on all things, Mr. Hodge, as I should. Work. So we'll we'll go with how she opines on the look, but she ate it. <laughs> that takes care of that. And since we're getting blunt takes out of the way, here's my Patriot take. I keep telling y'all every month. New all-time highs, then a 40 to 50% retracement. I bought 5,000 shares in the market today, y'all. It's still a, little, a fraction of what I own. I still own 95% of my position. I don't care about these retracements. The company just raised $50 million at 22 bucks. For all of you complaining that it's a charitable flow through, the company just netted $50 million at $22. Who gets it and at what price and who the final end buyer is and whether or not charities end up receiving um, a benefit from it. And if the end buyers end up receiving a tax break from it, should it really ruffle your feathers? What should excite you is there's 50 million bucks in the treasury now at a significant premium to continue drilling what's going to be the most aggressive drill program in the best lithium district in the world. If that doesn't excite you, sell the damn shares, everybody. Quit. Quit complaining. This is simple. Might still see uh, new all-time highs in March. We haven't got those yet. Uh, we'll see. Well, I know it's you know probably not closing to the 23rd. It's all spoken for. After that, I think it's assays for the rest of the year that are going to blow um, the lid off a lot of these uh, a lot of these naysayers. So that's my Patriot take. Let's get to the markets. It was an interesting week. Um, we went from the Fed is absolutely raising rates another 50 basis points to. The Fed might cut 25 basis points to a bank failed. What's going to happen over the weekend to no, 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 no. We're going to figure that one out. And then a second bank might fail with Credit Suisse. They're crying. I saw the tweets. They're crying in the offices, right? Um, and then, you know, we had First Republic. And look, I am a capitalist at heart, right? But I am a real capitalist. I own my mistakes. I eat my own cooking. When I miss, I take the loss. I don't expect anyone to come in and bail me out. I figure it out, right? A lot of these banks not only have the goal to go and ask for a bailout, they actually were selling tens of millions of dollars of shares during the this quarter. We're not talking a year ago or two years ago. We're talking after they had an idea that their boat wasn't sailing Beautiful, calm waters, right? They knew it was turbulent. They kind of foresaw what was coming. For them to sell tens of millions of dollars worth of personal shares into the market and then, you know, come crying for a bailout, they should all be allowed to fail regardless of the repercussion is my take. And however people feel about that, if, if you don't believe that 
is how it should happen, then you aren't a real capitalist. And there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people think, you know, that, that that's the other C word and that that's a dirty word and that, oh my God, he's a capitalist and he likes mining stocks and he's pro Second Amendment. Um, that's just what it is, folks. I mean, that's, that's you know, the, the market wants to speak and the market was speaking. And again, you know, we had everybody coming together and then singing Kumbaya and printing magic money and bailing people out. So um, moral hazard, we're way past that. We've been doing that for decades now. This won't end well. Um, however it ends, it may put things off for another little bit. These are never in isolation. I said that when it was uh, SVB, right? When it was the first one. So this won't be the last one. Sure enough, there were a couple others. Uh, they're not the only ones swimming naked, folks. That's my take on that. Yeah, I mean, there's a million takes out there. So I, I'm not going to necessarily give you my take on why these banks are failing and then who else could fail. Um, but I will say that, you know, something was coming, right? You know, hmm. you had the feds raising rates basically the most aggressively they've, they've ever raised them, at least in the past four decades. Um, you had slowing growth. You've had this sticky high inflation, and 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 you know you ask me my take every week. So they, you know, still bearish or whatever. And <laughs> October, as stocks were going up, I was telling you, yeah, man, like we're not done yet. Like, you know, something else is going to happen. And so, you know, whether that's GDP which is going to go down, or whether that's banks failing, or you know, whether that's you know industrial output slowing down, like you've got to work through all these things, right? And should banks be bailed out? No, but, you know, they are nonetheless, whether that's, you know, this new program, I actually have it up here. That was unintentional, but I have it here. So I'll read it to you. You know, this new bank term funding program from the Federal Reserve that they created out of thin air. And you got JP Morgan saying that, you know, two trillion dollars of liquidity could be provided through that new program. Before we started recording today, I was reading that, you know, other banks, a consortium of banks were giving um, I guess it was First Republic, you know, $30 billion in, in funding. It's tough to keep track of all these banks. 11 um, banks got together, held yeah. hands and said, hey, let, let's just all pitch in, right? And make sure that uh, First Republic doesn't go by the wayside. Yeah. And so, I mean, let me let me tie it back to, to what I do. You know, I clearly saw volatility was coming. I mean, I had to trade on in the letter that profited from it pretty, pretty nicely, actually. Mm -hmm. Closed that out this week. So, you know, you were due for a volatility spike. I'd been saying and, and presented at, you know, the Vancouver Resource Investment Conference that you're going to get, you know, two down quarters of, of growth and that's going to cause a commodities to soften. And we're seeing that in a big way. And I was yes, also saying that you should be using that to your advantage, you know. Yes, in, you should. In this month's issue of Foundational Profits, I wrote that, you know, copper could get more comfortable below four than than above four for a bit. But the long-term thesis for, for bullish cap, uh, copper doesn't break. It's just uh, the recession induced, you know, demand destruction or at least perceived demand instruction that sends those prices down. And, and we're seeing that really across the commodity board. You know, um, I think the CRB index is down like 30 or 40 percent from from the highs that, that it recently made. You've got oil softening, even lithium, which you mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, um, it has softened a bit, both in terms of lithium carbonate prices, you know, coming down from nearly, I think, $80,000 a mm -hmm. ton to well, wherever they're at now, I think maybe below $50,000 a ton or something like that. And uh, spodumene concentrate prices came down from $6,000 a ton in December to, to $5,000 today. And so you're seeing a softening, but you know that presents opportunities. So um, that's what I'm telling my readers. I mean, there's a lot of companies that uh, 
one, like existing companies in our portfolio that we've either, you know, taken profits on half a position or, you know, the buy under price has been well below where it was trading. Like, um, well, let me just give you an example, like Bravo Mining, for example. Um, you know, we had a buy under of $1.70 on that. And that was below the IPO price. And we had plenty yeah. of time last year to buy shares at that price. Yep. Um, and this year on the back of, you know, a pretty successful phase one drill campaign, those shares ran to over $3. And, and you know, you start to get questions from subscribers, you know, are you going to raise this buy under? Should we still be buying it? And it's like, well, no, you should have been buying it below $1.70 last year. When like I, when I told I you. <laughs> but, but here's what happens now, right? So that stock has pulled back a lot because of, of, of everything that's going on here. And it also has, on, from a technical perspective, a little gap in the chart down around, I think, $2.95 Canadian. So this is a moment in time where you take the opportunity to say, okay, if the market is going to have these broad-based sell-off days, if commodities are going to remain soft for however long it is, and we're going to get these one, two percent down days on on the indices. Let's raise that buy under price on Bravo Mining to two ninety five and see if we can't get bids filled. If if, if you know babies are going to get thrown out with bathwater, and then on new, on new positions that you don't own, it's 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 a similar thing, right? Like I've been talking about energy fuels. Uh, I, I I own a little bit of Denison. I think around a dollar yep. fifteen. Well, I had the opportunity to buy more Denison this week in, in with a ninety cent handle on it, right? So. Um, that's not to say that it's the bottom, but it is to say that these stocks are cheap, at least relative to their charts for the past couple of years and relative to the fundamentals of the overall, you know, pick your commodity, lithium space or uh, uranium space or whatever it is. So, um, you know, I, I sort of try to tune out that noise about the, the bailouts and the, the carnage or, you know, this, that ECB, yada, yada, credit Suisse, whatever it is and say, just play my game. Like I knew something was coming, you know, I didn't know. <laughs> Silicon Valley Bank, but I knew that we were going to have price softness in the next two months. And so uh, here it is. And then keep playing your game. Gold, uh, gold caught caught a bid. Gold caught a bid as, as as it should when we think that, you know, financial institutions may fail. Pulled back a bit, but it actually held on to the bulk of those gains. It's looking pretty good from a technical perspective. Thoughts there, Mr. Hodge? You've been spot on with that. Gold's not a commodity, and so um, it's it's a currency. It's it's yeah. one um, you know without counterparty risk, and we've seen a lot of counterparty risk in the in the past week or so. Um, so it also likes lower rates, and, and bond yields have been all over the place, right? Um, you had a ten, you had a two year that was you know up around five percent that quickly went below four percent. I mean, just a little tidbit. That's the most bond volatility that there's been since 1987. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should know what happened in 1987. So, turn uh, capital, baby. <laughs> yeah. So the bond yields are all over the place, but they're they're lower than they were, right? Because of this uncertainty, because of what you were saying about the Fed. You know, a couple of weeks ago, they were definitely going to hike by 50 basis points, and now they might pause or only rise by uh, raise by 25 basis points. Well, you know, gold likes that uncertainty, and, and gold definitely likes lower rates. So, gold is one of the few bullish things uh, out there, and. Um, Here's your, you know, uh, often reminder that uh, gold stocks are not gold. They haven't had as as good of a go, but uh, I believe they will. I, I absolutely agree. And again, back to your point about, you know, this ties into my point with Patriot. I like lower Patriot prices right now because my thesis is I'm holding the bulk of my position until the eventual buyout or until they prove how big this thing is, right? I could be wrong about how big this thing is. I mean, maybe we hit our limits already. Maybe the next set of assays are... Our dusters, maybe they raised this $50 million in, and that's it. No more good assays out of the Corvette district. But 
My thesis is what it is. My thesis is that this gets bought out at nothing less than $50 per share. So I act accordingly. And when I get a pullback to whatever I bought it at today, I'm stepping in the market and I'm absolutely buying that pullback because of, of my time horizon. Copper, same thing. Do I care that it's at 380? No, I'm happy it's at 380 because some of my favorite copper names pulled back and I'm going to be adding to my copper list. Lithium, some of the better names are down 30, 40, 50% over the past 30 days. Do I care? No, I'm ecstatic because I know this is a mega trend that's going to continue for years regardless of what Kathy Wood or Goldman Sachs say. And so what I'm trying to explain to all of you is you need to understand when you buy or purchase or speculate on something, what your thesis is and what your time horizon is. And then you have to stick with it. You got you have to have the fortitude to stick with it unless the thesis changes, unless something breaks, unless something, you know, if, if it's a gold play and they miss on the gold play and they're pivoting to copper, well, that's no longer why you got into it originally. Are you willing to take the copper risk and give that team a chance to make a success out of it? For some people, that's a yes. For some people, that's a no. Some people would sell, some people would hold. But you have to define then, be honest with yourself and take accountability for your decisions. If not, I don't know what to tell all of you right now that are upset that Patriots pulled back 30, 40%. I tell you every month in the letter, it's going to pull back 30, 40%. And then I tell you, it's going to make new all-time highs. When it makes new all-time highs, everybody writes it and says, oh my God, you called that. It was great. And then when it comes down 30, 40%, everybody starts getting concerned. All the, all the emails, Gerardo, I'm concerned. You're concerned? Why? There's 15 billion in the till at 22 bucks a year. You should be ecstatic. So know what you own, know why you own it. Act accordingly, take some accountability. Unlike these banks that are out here, um, you know, obviously, obviously swimming naked. And, you know, as Mr. Buffett says, we all see you swimming naked when the tide comes in, right? Yeah. And have patience, both as it relates to the speculation and as it relates to the broader market. So, you know, uh, small cap speculations take a lot of time to play out. There's a lot of execution involved. And, you know, things take time, whether that's permitting or getting rigs or, you know, conducting drill campaigns or conducting economic or, you know, environmental studies. These things take a, a lot of time. So you need to be patient to begin with. And then uh, on the non-speculative side, you have to be equally as patient, right? Because you could have been chasing the, the stocks, you know, starting in October all the way through to February. And then look, March hits and it's like, whoops, there goes all the gains for the year to date in the S&P it's back down to flat. And so if you would have just been sitting on the sidelines and, and had a cash cushion, you wouldn't be, you know, uh, subject to these drawdowns, right? That so many people are experiencing that leads to all this angst in the market. I mean, I see a lot of angst out there. It's obviously reflected in the volatility index, but um, people just need to have, I think, more patience and, and longer timeframes, both on the long and, and short end of the, of, of the time horizons. I think you said that very well, sir. We have to talk crypto a bit. Crypto caught a bid alongside gold. Head fake? Yeah. For me now, still. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it's done. Um, I don't think it's broken its correlation with the broader markets. I think that the broader markets uh, head, head lower. There's, you know, government opposition. You saw Barney Frank out there this week saying that they let the one bank fail, you know, because it was crypto supportive or, or friendly to crypto. And then and, and they wanted to send a message. Um, Barney Frank, of course, of Dodd-Frank fame. Uh, and so, yeah, no, I don't think the correlation is uh, uh, broken to the broader markets. I haven't been in there buying. I think Bitcoin goes back below 20,000. But it's been interesting to, to see it whip around a little bit, too, you know. Um, 
And it's interesting in that respect too. You know, I talk about silver, I guess, for a second, because we haven't seen silver do the same thing that that gold has done. It's because silver is not gold. Um, uh, the same way that that most cryptos are are commodities, as as defined by the 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 SEC. And so, um, you know, if, if commodities are going to be solved, I think you see that in the, in the crypto space as well. And I wouldn't be content to, to allocate the additional capital there. I'm still waiting for for Bitcoin with a fifteen thousand dollar handle. Here, you you answered my next question, which was going to be silver. And of course, you know, silver is a commodity. Gold is a currency, and both are acting as such. Have to ask you about oil broke, you know, through the $70 floor. You call this again. I sound like a broken record. You sound like a broken record. What do you want me to tell you people? It's been happening almost exactly the way we've been calling it. I mean, first on silver and, you know, these ardent silver supporters that that are out there, you, you know who they are. Um, this should be their time, right? I mean, mm. all the things that they tweet about and all the the fire emojis and the red siren emojis, it's like, you know, this is it. And really, they've just turned into, um, what did I see someone call them this week? Filayers of red meat. You know, <laughs> you know the, how could this end like well, that. right? That's what they say. How could this end well? Um, you know, Wait for the for the federal digital currency that that they're trying to introduce, and it's like, yeah, okay, but what the, what does that have to do with my portfolio? And why hasn't silver gone to the moon yet? Right? Because as I was telling you, for most of last year, at every podium I stood behind, you know, it's not silver's time to go to the moon. You've got these, you know, macroeconomic headwinds that are going to keep commodities suppressed. Right? I have to give you kudos because you did this at a silver symposium. <laughs> <laughs> The same way that I went to a gold conference in New Orleans last year and my whole interview was about lithium and now you shouldn't be buying gold at the time. You could be making a lot more money in lithium. So well, kudos to you for uh, getting in front of the silver crowd. I think it was in Idaho, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it, 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 it takes some uh, fortitude and a bit of a spine to get in front of that crowd and tell them you're absolutely dead wrong right now. It's not going to the moon, everybody. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> And with oil, it's the same thing. You know, um, oil doesn't go up when you're you're staring at the prospect of a, of a recession. And so I, I think, you know, when we talked about oil in the beginning of this year, I was telling you it would be range bound. And, and that's pretty much exactly what we've seen. So, you know, be thankful you get a little break at the at the at the pump, I guess. And uh, energy stocks are the, the worst performing group of stocks in the S&P for the year. I, I think I looked this morning, they were down like 11 or 12 percent year to date. Um, and the number two worst sector is is financials. And so uh, stay away from energy. And, and at the same time, that one of the, the headwinds that's, you know, affected lithium and, and uranium, you know, you've got uh, the energy sector getting absolutely decimated as far as the equities are concerned, you know, that's sort of inescapable, right? Outside of the independent bullish theses of uh, lithium and uh, uranium, you know, uh, it's just like gold stocks, right? When when stocks get sold down, you know, the stocks get sold down. It's not like your, your stocks get a pass because you know that they're long-term bullish and uranium or, or lithium or whatever. And so, um, until we can get back to growth, which isn't going to take all that long, right? You know, it, it's only going to take at a, a turning point. Yeah, we're quarter. finally there. We're through <laughs> right? the first quarter almost, and here comes Q two. And that's that was going to be my next question to you. So run with it. When 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 do we get to that inflection point? And, and I want to touch on energy too because you mentioned you know now is not the time, and how how they've underperformed the stocks, the equities. 
Are we getting close to that inflection point in both the overall indices and and the energy space? I've been saying that the third quarter, right? You know, uh, the ECB did hike this week. Uh, you know, I believe the Fed hikes again next week. You know, probably by a quarter point. But you know, I think they stay the course, and then um, after that, you know, in April, you're going to get first quarter GDP, and and it's going to be flat to negative on a, on a quarter over quarter basis, and it's going to be the same thing in uh, uh, Q2, and then I think by uh, Q3, Q4, you get that turning. You get back to growth in uh, the economy and you get back to growth in, in S&P earnings. And I think that'll be the time to, to start buying the, the broad base equities, you know, go back long the S&P or potentially even the NASDAQ. You have to wait and see. I can't make that call now. Uh, and then be buying uh, in the second quarter, these, these commodity stocks that are, that are going to yeah. rebound when that happens. And that was going to be my advice for everyone. If you don't have a list, whether it's uranium, and, and by the way, thank you all for all the comments and views last week on our uranium episode. It was it, it was well received. The comments were interesting as all heck. I like I, I love all of them, right? The positive ones, the negative ones. It's amusing to me what you all occupy your time with. <laughs> um, but I appreciate all the comments. Um, that was going to be my question to you. When when do you start acting on? that list, right? Like I have my uranium list and I'm, I'm, I'm picking up a few names and I have a few of my crosshairs. Copper, I'm, I'm hyper bullish in the mid to long term. And there's some attractive, attractive names. I actually added a, a copper gold play to the monthly service here this week, which has held up well um, all week long. But when do you start acting? When should people start really looking to deploy capital, assuming that they are investing for the cycle and not just looking to trade, right? Yeah, I think you do it in tranches over the next uh, two quarters. Um, I've been doing that. You know, we we've been writing checks in the in the private placements. Yeah. I think I've written four checks in the in the past <laughs> month um, across gold, copper, and uh, salt, as it were. And don't tell them um, about the salt deal yet, Nick. <laughs> Not yet. Y'all are gonna have to pay for that one. And I've I've been doing it marginally in in you know my personal account or my brokerage account or whatever you know and. Not necessarily averaging down, but you know, buying more tranches. You know, you were saying earlier you should be happy to to see your your favorite stocks as long as your thesis is intact at lower prices. Yeah. It's the same thing, um, Rick Rule says. And so I, I would say tranches over the next couple of um, months. There was something else I was going to say there. What the heck wasn't? Um, oh, let's see how this you know next couple of weeks plays out. Let's see if the world really is going to end, in which case you'll get much cheaper prices. <laughs> or if we're going to, you know, digest this banking thing and and get back to just a, a pretty orderly recession, which is what we've been seeing. Um, if the world does end, then you're going to get much cheaper prices. And and if you see things start to balance out, that VIX come back down, um, then it would tell me that these are probably some of the lower prices we'll see for the, for the high quality companies. Excellent. I remember one that I'm going to pivot completely. So for those of you that wanted the market takes, that's all I think we have for the week. <laughs> yeah, we've touched on uh, lithium, oil, uranium, the broader indices, bonds, rates, the Fed, Patriot. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's all you're going to get on that side. I remember maybe a year and a half ago, and my, my, my time perspective is thrown off for a multitude of reasons, COVID and a bunch of other reasons. But anyway, um, I remember you telling me a story about you meeting like the founder of Pornhub, if I'm not mistaken. Was that accurate? Was it the founder or there was a gentleman that owned like the service 
or maybe it was one of the porn sites. Well, I maybe... forget what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He met the gentleman. He was an older guy. He said he was hilarious. Anyhow, sure. so Pornhub parent company just got acquired by a Canadian private equity fund. And I thought it was interesting. And I was just wondering if it was the guy you met. You told me the story a year and a half or two ago. You I don't can, you can tell this podcast isn't scripted because obviously I just made this up right now with the article being published here live. I don't remember that. My memory's got to be worse than yours. Oh, I don't remember having Gosh, I'm trying to think who it would have been. I'll, I'll go back um, on through the 200, 210 episodes here. Now, I know it was in the past couple of years, but the story was hilarious. Um, and, and you said he, like, he was the most unassuming guy. Um, and I could be wrong. It might have not been Pornhub. It might have been one of the other better known porn sites. Uh -oh. um, but you met him at, 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 it was like a conference or it was like a, a, a dinner. Like, I forget what it was. But anyway, we'll follow up. Anyhow, Pornhub Parent Company was acquired by a Canadian private equity fund. How and, much? Well, here's the funny part to me. This is why I brought it up because I'm a child, right? Guess the name of the company that bought it. Oh, gosh. I would have no idea. Ethical Capital. Because <laughs> 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 fucking, of course, it's Ethical Capital acquiring Pornhub. <laughs> what, what is the price tag? What is the Pornhub uh, worth? Oh, let me take a look here real quick. Hopefully it was disclosed. Uh, oh, God. Ethical Capital. Somebody so somebody did good on that one. Uh, let's see here. Da -da 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 Agreed to buy it. Terms are not disclosed. Oh man. It's gotta be a pretty penny. It's gotta be a pretty penny. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> All right, Mr. Hodge. Anything else that you want to get off your chest? The world is crazy. We forgot about the UFOs. We forgot about the balloons. Um, the war in, you know, Ukraine, the illegal invasion by Russia, that seems to be escalating tensions with China and the US. That's nothing new. We've talked about that. Anything else on your mind? Anything you want to chat about? I know I we mean, have St. Paddy's Day coming up this weekend. Happy St. Paddy's Day uh, for those of you that celebrate. Um, Enjoy March Madness. You know, um, I'm rooting for Gonzaga. That's one of the reasons I got this stupid mustache. One of their good players is named Drew Timmy, and he <laughs> often rots uh, a mustache that looks like this in a similar color, I might add. Um, yeah, you had a, a, a Russian fighter jet, you know, uh, bump into a, a U.S. <laughs> drone this week. There's all sorts of little one-off geopolitical events like that. But again, don't get lost in the in the noise, right? You can't do anything with a Twitter video of a, of a fighter jet hitting a, 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 a drone. That doesn't do anything for your bottom line. But uh, what does is realizing the broader implications. And, you know, we continue to see this week calls for uh, the banning of, of Russian uranium imports. And I was reading this week that, uh, Rosatom might do it itself and say, fuck you, we're bad in exports. Um, yep. And so, you know, all those things continue to to boil underneath the the surface of, of all these other uh, stories that got you looking around like a like a squirrel. Right. Um, so these geopolitical things are, are furthering the, the fundamental case for all the things that we talk about. Right. I absolutely agree. A couple of things that amuse me. Um, Jim Cramer tweeted, short this NASDAQ and invite me to your funeral. I want to timestamp this. This is March the 16th at roughly 3.40 p.m. Central Time. So we will follow back up in a two to four week time frame and see how Mr. Cramer's um, tweet pans out. I only bring it up because just a month ago he was he was 
banging the drum on SVB saying literally the bank that failed. <laughs> I was just gonna say you can't make it up with this guy, man. I mean, who was out there telling people to buy Super or excuse me, Silicon Valley Bank? I mean, come on. This guy's really bad. Um Kramer, look, I, I'm sure you've done some amazing legendary things in your time. All due respect to all of that. We all got to know when to hang it up, buddy. And we at the very least, I mean, they put him on the special. This was funny. I tweeted about this. They put him on the special over the weekend that was talking about whether or not the bank was going to fail. And, and it, it said Kramer goes in depth about the potential collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. And I'm sitting here going, it's got to be a simulation, Jesus, right? It's got to be just one big joke. This can't be real. <laughs> sure enough. Yeah, Kramer was the guy that was going to give you all the in-depth uh, analysis on SVB failing a month after he said, you know, at 300-something, absolute buy. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, well, they've got something to sell you, right? As, as evidenced by the guests they have on and the, the companies and the funds that buy the airtime for uh, commercials on those channels. And, and now I will get on my soapbox just for one second. Um you know, I was watching a clip of, of some podcast these CNBC hosts were doing. I must have seen it on Twitter or something. And they were poo-pooing macro, right? About how, you know, if you pay too much attention to macro, you you always end up bearish and, and you miss out on opportunities. And uh, they were sort of making fun of small investors. Uh, one guy was saying, you know, if you manage $10 billion and, you know, you're a hedge fund with an office in Hong Kong and London, then, yeah, I could see paying attention to macro. But if you're just managing your mom's IRA, he said, then, then there's no need to do that. And I was thinking, you know, I, I gave some funds to a, to a financial advisor that, you know, was sort of my IRA. And <laughs> of course, you know, they want your funds, right? Because they, they want to keep you in the market and, and draw those, um, you know, a percentage of, of UAM, right? Those, those are at, uh, AUM, Assets sorry, under Madden, yeah. Under Madden. Yeah. yeah. And um, of course, they're going to say, you know, not to be bearish and, and to keep your money in the market. And and at the same time, I obviously have something to sell you as well, but it's not um, something that I'm going to take a percentage of your assets in perpetuity. It's a, a, a one-time fee, a flat fee, by the way, that is, uh, by the way, also fully refundable if you don't like the, the, the results or the, the information and, and the analysis uh, that you're getting. And also, it's uh, what we're selling is a tool that you know empowers individuals to manage this stuff on their own, you know, that person that is managing their uh, mom's IRA or whatever. And of course you should be macro aware. I mean, you know, think about if you didn't, you know, sell the indexes in, in late 2021 or whatever, you would have seen a, a 20% drawdown on your account last year. And so, um, anyway, just a, a bit of my soapbox there about why you should be managing your own money and, and, and certainly be macro aware. And also be accountable for those decisions that you make, folks. It, it, it comes with the territory, right? It's just like anything else. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, that's why we keep a transparent portfolio, buys and sells and, and losses, uh, good and the bad. And, yeah, I think one of the things that does set us apart is, you know, addressing the mistake, those mistakes. And uh, obviously, readers come to, to like that over time. Well, and you can just go back 209 other episodes of Bizarro World and see what we thought and when we thought it, for better or worse, right? That just is what it is. That's To me, that's as transparent as you can possibly get. We have open portfolios that you can see all the buy calls, all the sell calls, or timestamp with dates. Um, you can see the performance there. You have this podcast almost every week for the past four plus years. Um, 
I'm going to go back and see this porn person was you were talking about. <laughs> Speaking of seeing up things, I started watching a show maybe a month ago, and the wife and I are absolutely addicted. So don't normally plug shows. Have to do it on this one. Yellowstone is absolutely top notch sure television. Oh my lord! Everybody says it's good. It's why I waited so long. You know, I tend to be a contrarian on things. I, I kept thinking it's kind of like when I visited Costa Rica. I waited so long because everybody told me how magical and incredible Costa Rica was, and I said it's gonna let me down. It can't possibly be that amazing. My wife and I went last year. Absolutely phenomenal. We'll be going in April again. Can't wait. Yellowstone is Costa Rica of television. Everybody told me. I said whatever. Waited five seasons. We've been binge watching the the first two seasons in the past four weeks. It's been a- absolutely amazing. Where are you watching it? Is it Paramount? It's on Paramount. Yes, Paramount. And how do you watch that? I, I got a subscription. We have an Apple TV here uh-huh. at home. I just download the app onto my smart TV and click on it. And well worth it. Well worth the price of admission. If all you use Paramount Plus more is Yellowstone, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Everybody says it's good. We haven't gotten into it yet. It's good stuff. That's all I got this week. You got homework, Mr. Hodge. You're going to look up this porn guy's story. We're going to figure out. We're going to get to the bottom of this. No pun intended there. I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. I'm supposed to tell you to go to dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe so you will never miss our updates and commentary and so that when we do put out videos and articles, you can opine and comment on the articles and the views this was the 210th episode of our weekly therapy session we call investing in bizarro world nick send us off see you guys have a good week hey there you independent-minded investor if you like this video make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one and share it with everyone you know on social media You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.